I was inspired again last week as all of our youth led in worship. And I guess because I also am a preacher, I appreciated the strength of our two proclaimers. Emily Neeremer's homily on living water was powerful and courageous, and Riley Haskins, oh my, Riley. Thanks to Riley for channeling his inner Russ Dean and, give, and giving us all the inside scoop on H2O. I was eager from Riley's well-played introduction to learn why water is wet. And taking inspiration from his preaching playbook, I want to tell you today why mud is dirty. And you're not even going to have to wait till the end of my message. Here it is. I'm going to tell you right now, mud is dirty because it's made of dirt. You just add a little water and presto, you got mud. And since dirt is everywhere, mud is equally ubiquitous, which just means it's also everywhere. Almost as if God said, let there be mud from the very beginning. In every place and in every time, mud has been part of the scene. In an article entitled, Glorious Mud, Margaret Boyle says, it's so everywhere, it even oozes into our colloquial language, mud in your eye, mud slinging, slick as mud, clear as mud, muddy the waters, your name will be mud, happy as a pig in mud, dragging his name through the mud. As humans have known for all of human history, the dirty little secret on mud is that it's not just good for a turn of phrase, that dirty stuff is actually useful. Construction, recreation, healing, religious rites. Our ancestors began using mud for construction generations ago, no doubt taking a cue from their teachers in the animal kingdom. Mud daubers and barn swallows make homes of mud, and writer and researcher Linda Crampton says some mud buildings have existed for hundreds of years, have stood for hundreds of years. The proportions of different minerals in the mud, as well as the use of clay and straw, play a role in building resilience. So does the way mud bricks are dried. So it's useful, and it can be a lot of fun, as I've just told you. The Palmers and the Rudolphs from Park Road, and maybe more of you, have participated in those crazy Spartan races. We have seen the pictures posted online. The more mud, the merrier. And every professional baseball pitcher has benefited from a mud produced by the Delaware River near Palmyra, New Jersey. Since the 1950s, that mud, and only that particular mud, has been used to rub every single baseball used in a major league game. A little of that mud provides the perfect grip, and any pitcher will tell you that the feel of the ball is essential for throwing the heat, for tossing a curveball, or taking a cue from Jesus today, pitching a little illegal spitball. Now, not all mud is fun or beneficial. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that as many as 50 people are killed in the United States each year from mudslides. 
though according to the U.S. Geological Survey, the proper term is mud flow, not mudslide. In Indonesia, an eruption of the Lucy mud volcano began, began in May of 2006, initially killing 13 people. 17 years later, it's still erupting and has destroyed entire villages, burying between 40,000 and 60,000 homes in Indonesia. The summer Amy and I lived in Yellowstone National Park, Amy's favorite attraction was the fountain paint pots in the lower geyser basin of the Old Faithful area. It was a cauldron of bubbling mud, as if the temperature had been set intentionally and, and maintained on a perfect low simmer the whole basin pops and spews, gurgles and steams a beautiful taupe-colored mud. Though the sulfuric smell isn't all that pleasant, the mud is fascinating to watch. Amy could stand there all day long. Though watching the steam rise as it mesmerizes you, well, you can imagine the danger, the damage a house-swallowing eruption could cause. The harmful effects of mud notwithstanding, researchers at the University of Hawaii say a typical soil contains 45% minerals, 25% water, 25% air, and 5% organic matter, a combination that has made mud a source of cleansing and healing for millennia. The Egyptian queen Cleopatra allegedly used mud from the Dead Sea as a beauty treatment. Closer to home, mud is the subject of some serious medical studies today. Board-certified dermatologist Dr. Deval Bonasali says the benefits of mud body treatments are usually immediate. The skin changes, the blood flow changes, muscles relax. A 2018 Dead Sea study reports that mud packs helped people with fibromyalgia pain. A study published in Arthritis Research and Therapy says thermal mud baths increase plasma levels and beta endorphins. And the Journal of Clinical Rheumatology reported mud treatments for knee arthritis significantly reduced knee pain. The physical healing effects of mud being so obvious for so long, it is perhaps not surprising that from Hindus in Bali to Roman Catholics in the Philippines and Muslims in Iran, mud is used in religious rites to signify grief and in rituals of purification. Not all religion is superstition, but it is all sacramental which means it uses the most common of all elements of the earth, fire and water, bread and wine, even ordinary mud, to, to express the belief that because we are made of this earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, even in the dirt, God is with us. It's dirty because it's made of dirt, and it can be holy for the very same reason. Thank God for the mud. The text today is from the Gospel of John. The lectionary would have us read all 41 verses of the ninth chapter. I spared you. You're just going to get the first seven verses. The rest of the scene, though, this is 
Jesus is going to heal this blind man that had been born blind and a lot of controversy about why do bad things happen to good people, what caused this man to be born blind. There's a lot of conversation about that. But then on four, in four different scenes in this 41 verses, People keep, coming up to G, people, people keep coming up to this man to say, now tell me again what happened. And he, well, it's this man, he's named Jesus, he did this, he did that, and now I can see. And they just can't believe it. And then to complicate it, he did all of this on the Sabbath, which greatly offended them. So that's what the whole of the chapter is. But here's the first seven verses. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. In the youth Sunday school class this morning, we spent a lot of time on this one verse. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So as long as you are healing people, Jesus is in the world, lighting it up, helping people to see again. You have heard the ancient story. That insatiable desire to fix things and make them right. That urge to heal and make things better. That yearning for wholeness and wellness drives us to do so much good in this world. And Jesus was no stranger to this desire, this urge, this yearning. As a matter of fact, this longing for healing, not just for the lame to walk and the blind to see healing, but all kinds of healing, mind, body, spirit healing. That was perhaps the number one motivator in the life and ministry of Jesus. So if we're going to follow in his way, then perhaps we should take note. Jesus did what he could do with what he had at hand to bring healing, and I believe we should follow suit. My father started smoking at the age of 18 when he went to Germany in World War II. You can hardly blame him, 18 years old, away from home. He had to do something to try to calm the nerves, and everybody was smoking, so he joined the crowd. And he hated for most of his life that he had ever started. At some point, when I was probably early high school, and he was approaching his 60s, he decided one day, and I can picture him telling this story, and I remember when it happened. He decided one day that he was bigger than nicotine, and he quit. Cold turkey. Good for him. He took up peppermints, Werther's candy, and toothpicks in its place, and he never smoked again. 
As a child, before I knew anything about enabling, one of my Christmas presents for him every year with my own money was I bought him a pouch of Sir Walter Raleigh tobacco. He was a, a pipe smoker, and I can still picture his routine of popping that pipe to get all the tobacco out of the cool pipe and then dipping that pipe into the little pouch of Sir Walter Raleigh uh, tobacco and packing it in there before he put it in his mouth and lit it. The enabler that I was felt like, well, I can at least give him a free pack of tobacco. Now, as a person that has made it through non-smokers lung cancer, I can tell you I pretty much have no use for smoking. It's a trigger for me for sure, but there was one healing power of good old Sir Walter Raleigh. As a country girl, I played outside a lot, and I can picture on multiple occasions in my life running into the house, crying with a bee or a wasp sting to have my dad open his little pouch of tobacco, pull out a pinch of tobacco with his fingers, stick that pinch of tobacco on the tip of his tongue to get it wet with his saliva, and then place that moistened little pack of patch of tobacco on my bee sting, holding that tobacco on there until the pain subsided. My father did what he could do with what he had at hand to bring healing to his little girl in pain, and I think we should follow suit. We hear these healing stories in the Bible, and they are so unbelievable in our modern, much more scientific era. They are the stuff of magical fairy tales that we read about this morning. Or was the ancient world more scientific and up-to-date in homeopathic remedies than any of us ever realized? We like to think we're so sophisticated, so intelligent, so evolved. How did they build those pyramids without computer software to help figure out those angles and load-bearing techniques? Without cranes to lift those heavy loads? There are all kind of questions about the ancient world. How did they know more than we give them credit for knowing? God was so genius in the way God made us to be able to offer healing that God even made mud to have healing powers. Now, I am so grateful to doctors and researchers who have been able to advance medicine in ways that have lengthened not just the number of years to our lives, but more, a more robust and healthy quality to our lives. I am so grateful for doctors who read scans and find nodules and follow up on those spots for months or years until they finally decide, I think it's cancer, and we caught it at stage one, and then they cut you open and take it out, and then they tell you for the rest of, the life, rest of your life, we will scan you to make sure this doesn't grow back. But if it does, we'll just take it out. Truly, my gratitude is overwhelming around that kind of healing touch. But sometimes, we just need to acknowledge that the ancient world had its own remedies and medical potions too, and even now, our current modern-day medical world is more and more considering a holistic approach to healing. I don't know this, of course, 
But I'm thinking it was Mary that taught Jesus the spitting in the dirt trick, making a little mud pie, see if that'll work. Kind of like my dad taught me the tobacco for beast things trick. If I'm right, I do wonder if it was wise to put mud in your eyes, but I don't want to digress because it worked. And then the tale has been told ever since that Jesus did what he could with what he had at hand to bring healing and wholeness. And I believe that we should follow suit. So it made me start thinking this week about what I have at hand. I have note cards and pen. Because sometimes when folks need, what folks need is just a simple, old-fashioned, handwritten note offering gratitude and a kind word, a blessing and a word of encouragement. Note cards and pen are as good as mud in the eye to bring healing. I have poppy seeds at hand for poppy seed chicken. Because sometimes what is most needed is a comfort food casserole made out of cream of mushroom soup that just makes you feel better because it was made with love and it's creamy and it's yummy. Poppy seed chicken is as good as mud in the eye for healing. I have a phone at hand ready to call and text to just say, hey, I'm thinking of you. Or to send a funny meme, because sometimes all you need to be healed is one funny meme to get you through that moment. Phones can be as good as mud in the eye for healing. I can get a copy of a good book and give it to someone who needs the words therein as a help in time of need or as an escape from the chaos that is their lives. Words on a page can be as good as mud in the eye for healing. I have time at hand for a cup of coffee or a Panera lunch. I have access to the prayer shawl cabinet at hand where our needlers keep a stash of shawls to be given away to wrap people in love and prayer as they're going through a hard time. I can get a gift certificate for a mani-pedi, or what about this, to give somebody a mud facial? Come on, that is healing. I have enough money at hand to help people get small oxes out of their ditches, to help with some little payments here and there, to take the edge off of their despair, and collectively, we, through the church can help with the bigger things like bringing healing to a family from Honduras and giving them a chance to survive and thrive in this country where they are safe from explicit harm. And here's my go-to for healing all the things. I have Crisco, butter, sugar, eggs, flour, whole milk, and vanilla. And if your pound cake doesn't include all of those things, you're making the wrong pound cake. When I have no idea what else to do to bring healing, I trust that a pound cake is mud in your eye.
That's my list of healing potions. I'm just trying to follow Jesus who did what he could do with what he had at hand. You have to make your own list of your healing powers. Maybe pound cake isn't how you bring healing. That's okay. You just scrounge up whatever is at hand at your place, and you bring healing in your way. You make your own mud. You find your own dirt, and you spit in it. And you use it to help the blind to see and the lame to walk, because that's not only what we think Jesus would do, it's what we know that he did. We read it this morning. If Jesus had the power to just poof, heal, why didn't he just do that? Why didn't he just walk in and say, done? He took what he had at his disposal, a little mud, a little spit, and he did what he could do to bring healing to a man who had never been able to see. It wasn't magic. It was just his insatiable desire to bring health and wholeness and fullness of life to everyone that he encountered. So may that same desire for healing, that same urge, that same yearning, that same longing to be a healer rest in you and rest in me today that those who are blind might be made to see clearly even today may God bless you this day with the dirt and the spit within your reach that you might become a healer and if you yourself are feeling lame and blind. May you be healed. Maybe in this moment, surrounded by these people in this place, may you be healed. May it be so. Amen.